0: Welcome to The Confab. I'm Eric Felton. This is where the editors and the writers of The Weekly Standard get together to talk about what's in the magazine, what's in the news, and whatever else may be on our minds. Gordon Chang is here to talk about new U.S. sanctions on North Korea and what, if any, other options are on the table for bringing Rocket Man back down to Earth. And then Tony Messia is coming by to tell us about Republican efforts to craft tax reform. Are we looking at real tax cuts, or can we expect a fiasco like the failed effort to repeal and replace Obamacare? All that coming up on The Confab. We welcome to The Confab Mr. Gordon Chang, a weekly standard contributor. Those of you who read the magazine will recognize his byline. He's also author of an excellent book called Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World. Gordon Chang, welcome to the CONFAB podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Eric.
0: So new sanctions by executive order from President Trump. I had no idea there was anything left in the sanctions quiver that could be fired.
1: There's so many more things that we can do. And what President Trump and Secretary Mnuchin are doing is going after the money. Um, and we saw this with um, Secretary Mnuchin saying that all past money laundering violations, we're going to forget about them. But going forward, any bank that launders money that actually handles transactions for North Korea is going to be designated a primary money laundering concern under Section 311 of the Patriot Act. That means the banks won't be able to do transactions in dollars. And that effectively is a death, sen- death sentence for a modern bank. So this is significant, and I hope that they actually are as good as
0: their word. So what does it mean for Chinese banks, which have been the main sort of source of banking activity for the North Koreans?
1: The Chinese banks are going to have to get out of the business of working for the North Koreans. This is going to be especially important for Bank of China, one of China's so-called Big Four banks, because it was named in a 2016 UN report for devising and operating a money laundering scheme for the North Koreans. Also, it means that even larger Chinese banks are going to have to stop doing business for the North Koreans. So this is going to be a significant development because Chinese banks have really been North Korea's conduit to the world.
0: We really saw this week with President Trump at the UN some bellicose rhetoric with regard to to North Korea, that Rocket Man was on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. Um, you were writing this week at, uh, at the Daily Beast uh, a few pieces, one of which is, war with North Korea starts to look inevitable, and then a follow-up piece which would seem to follow on the first, um, what happens next if Trump totally destroys North Korea? Let's go to those two pieces. Why do you say that war with North Korea is looking inevitable?
1: Uh, we had heard senior administration officials talk about how the time for diplomacy had run out. H.R. Uh, McMaster, the National Security Advisor, actually said that about a week ago when he said that there was no more room for diplomacy. And U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said pretty much the same thing, that the Security Council process was Quote unquote, pretty much over. Um, Also, on the other side, you have Kim Jong un, the North Korean leader, uh, talking about final victory. That's North Korean code for taking over South Korea. And so there is a drift on both sides. I hope that these new sanctions on the banks uh, or potential sanctions on the banks will stop the drift to war. These actually do have the potential for disarming North Korea, but only if the United States is rigorous in enforcing them. Because if we are rigorous, we have a chance of pushing China in a much better direction. But if we don't do this, then I think that this is very much a situation where we have to be looking at the use of force.
0: So what was China's reaction, by the way, to the uh, to the announcement of these new sanctions?
1: Uh, China actually um, was very much in the forefront of uh, getting its banks out of uh, money laundering. Um, president Xi Jinping apparently told our president um, that he had ordered the People's Bank of China, the central bank, um, to get all Chinese banks out of doing any business with the North Koreans. Now, we have seen things like this in the past about year ago 15 months ago Chinese banks voluntarily gave up their business with North Korean uh, companies only to go back to the old way of doing things when we weren't paying attention. This time the president of China has put his position in public on it which means that apparently we can pressure the president of China. But I got to say, you know, the Chinese will help the North Koreans in any way they can so we've got to be vigilant.
0: The other piece you wrote the about uh, what happens next if Trump totally destroys North Korea? That's a sort of trying to unpack the events that would happen if there were some kind of military action to be taken. What would a military action against North Korea that would actually be conceived of by the U.S. military, what would that look like?
1: It probably at first would be a uh, strike on their uh, nuclear and their missile sites, um, But also, because we'd anticipate um, retaliation against Seoul, which is uh, the capital of South Korea, just 30 or so miles from the demilitarized zone, which separates the two Koreas, what we'd be doing is trying to take out North Korea's 14,300 artillery tubes, because they could rain high explosives and chemical and biological agents on a capital of about 26 million people when you include the entire metropolitan area.
0: And that's been the reason that most people have said that there's really no military option is that the potential destruction... Uh, in South Korea would be so vast.
1: Yeah. Um, the casualty estimates are horrific. Uh, so, for instance, we could expect maybe somewhere one and a half to two million casualties in the first 40, uh, 36 to 48 hours. Um, it could be even more. And, and that would be with un, you know just their high explosives. If they started to use their nuclear weapons, then you know, essentially, the sky's the limit in terms of casualties. There are about 70 million uh, South Koreans, so th- this is uh, these will be casualties on an unimaginable scale.
0: And yet, the new president of South Korea, um, who is expected to be rather dovish has been praising the U.S. administration for its tough line on U- on North Korea.
1: This is one of the areas where the Trump administration has actually um, done very well in diplomacy because Moon Jae-in, the new president, inaugurated May 10th of this year, um, very much wants to engage the North Koreans, um, shovel as much money to them as possible. Um, but President Trump has pushed um, Moon away from that for the most part Um, And that's largely because Moon can understand that North Korea's provocative actions mean that um, a good portion of the South Korean electorate, basically half of it, um, is very upset with Moon for even thinking of talking with the North Koreans at this stage. The South Korean electorate is pretty much divided down the middle, um, and Moon, if he wants to uh, be effective on other issues, where he actually was elected on other issues um, other than North Korea... He's got to make sure that he retains the support of the majority of of South Koreans. So this is going to be a period where President Trump is going to have to exercise um, a lot of pressure on Moon. So far, President Trump has done a good job on this. And so we'll just have to wait and see.
0: And what's your guess on what Kim Jong-un is up to and what his goal is at this point?
1: I think Kim Jong-un, after um, the Treasury's uh, actions against uh, you know the banking system, uh, is probably very concerned because he can see that the United States is more powerful than his primary backer, which is China. I think they're going to wait a little while to be provocative because at this point— um, I think that they're actually as scared of what the United States will do. The North Korean foreign minister, Ryong Ho, um, this week talked about uh, President Trump's Tuesday speech before the U.N. General Assembly as the sound of a dog barking. In other words, a dog can bark at a parade. The parade still goes on. Right now, um, the big dog in 1600 Pennsylvania has really barked. The North Koreans, I think, are going to be very concerned that they will be um, cut off from their traditional flow of funds.
0: Gordon Chang, thanks for joining us on the Confab. Thank you so much, Eric. We're joined on the Confab by Mr. Tony Messia from North Carolina. Tony, how are you doing?
2: Doing great, Eric. How are you?
0: Fine. Thank you. So you've got an article in this issue of the Weekly Standard in which you're talking about the prospects for tax reform, what's on the table, and what's likely to get uh, uh, passed. What are the various tax reform proposals that are being considered both at the White House and on Capitol Hill right now?
2: Well sure there's a, it's a, that's a big question a lot of people uh, you know are really looking forward to the answer on that you know in the next week or so You don't have um, the answer
0: th- right now <laughs> Well enough of well, this, you'll, then
2: <laughs> You'll have to pick up the current issue of the weekly standard it's all in there I uh, know uh, you know it's it's going to be a mix of things uh, you know the, the way that it seems to be heading is you know they're looking at a, a you know a, they're trying to get it as comprehensive as they can as uh, very comprehensive they're they would like to be very ambitious, but they're constrained uh, politically uh, You know, on, on the sorts of things they can do. I mean, Republicans, it's been a talking point for years, You know, tax cuts, tax reform, get rid of the death tax, get rid of the alternative minimum tax, now, lower when, the corporate rate, lower the individual rate. I mean, these are all things that the when tax code you, when is,
0: you say, is extremely long. When you say ta- talking point for many years for the Republicans, people immediately think, Repeal and replace Obamacare. Is tax reform <laughs> going to get the same treatment?
2: You know, that's a, that's a good question. I think that it actually might, in the sense that you know, on these campaigns, you have very ambitious. Proposals, You know, we've seen over the years in Republican presidential primaries, you've seen, you know, Steve Forbes and the flat tax. You've seen Herman Cain and his, remember him stand up on the debate stage, 999, talking about, you know, how we're just going to dramatically alter the tax, the 9% tax on this, 9% tax on that, you know, lowering them. So I think we are, if people are expecting that sort of wholesale change, I think they're going to be. Fairly disappointed with what uh, with what Republicans actually wind up coming out with, which is not to say that they're going to come out with bad policy, but it might not be as ambitious as you know uh, completely overhauling the tax code. Um, so I, I think what we're likely to see is, uh, and there have been outlines in the past. The, Repo- the House Republicans, you know, in the, this last election cycle, had their their better way uh, tax plan, uh, along with a lot of other proposals in a lot of different areas. Uh, The the president in uh, May came out with with a sort of a one-page summary of the sorts of things he would like to see. And, you know, they can actually accomplish some of those. I think it is realistic to expect that you would see a lowering of the corporate tax rates, which is right now among the highest in the world at 35%. I think they'd like to the, the president has proposed getting that down to fifteen percent, but I think a more realistic number would put it somewhere in the twenties. And then they would like to get rid of what we would call either loopholes, if you don't like them, or um, you know, essential deductions if you do like them. Um, and and so, you know, to, to try to simplify and make a little bit fairer and more equitable the tax code. And so you're going to see a mix of a bunch of those things, but it, it might not be quite as ambitious as some people would like.
0: And you devote a lot of your article in the Weekly Standard to the question of what kind of tax reform will have the best impact on the economy. <laughs> and yeah. uh, what, what, what did you find out talking to economists?
2: Well, I, first of all, I thought that was an interesting question because a lot of what you hear in this tax reform debate is a question of well, who's benefiting? Who, who you know, which wealthy people are going to get wealthier, and uh, which of you know which of Trump's millionaire friends are going to keep their deductions and, and that sort of thing, which is all well and good. But you know, if you were designing uh, you know science and technology policy, you would talk to scientists and people who knew about technology. So if you're developing economic policy. Shouldn't we be hearing from economists? And I don't know about you, Eric, but I haven't seen a lot from economists on on this tax reform plan. So what I did in, in the current piece of the Weekly Standard, went out and actually talked to some economists. And they pretty much said, you know, to my surprise, really, that it's – Fairly simple. That if you want the biggest return to the economy, uh, if you want the the most amount of growth that you can have, then you're really looking at cutting the the uh, tax rates on businesses, cutting that corporate tax, which um, you know which has has been high um, for for years compared to other country. I mean, many. Almost all other countries, the United Arab Emirates, I believe, is taxed at the big tax corporations at 55 percent. And, and the, the U.S., like I said, is at 35. You throw in the state local taxes, it winds up being closer to 40. So, you know, lowering that corporate tax is going to do, I think, a lot for the economy because it puts money back into companies which they can use then to invest they can return it to shareholders they, which has other trickle-down effects they can pay workers i mean it's there are economists that i talk with and i talk to a cross-section of them not just heritage foundation cato institute but you know academic business economists people who work for banks i mean then they pretty much said the studies show corporate tax rate cutting the corporate tax rate will have a will be a boon for the economy
0: and then, of course, there's trying to get things past the uh, the budget gnomes on the Hill, who um, who always calculate things in a way that, that makes tax cutting um, seem impossible.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm not pretending to be any expert in Senate reconciliation rules or anything like that. There are obviously a lot of political questions. I mean, if you have, on the one hand, the economic question of how do you deliver the most economic growth possible. You then have you know, political questions on what is fair, what is desirable to have in a tax code. And then there are also, of course, the constraints on, you know, what can actually pass the House and the Senate. And, you know, as you know, there are all sorts of rules about, you know, what can you pass through the Senate on 50 votes and what do you need 60 votes for? And how does it work with the existing, uh, with the budget? And, yeah, you know, there there are all sorts of practical questions. And so it's a really a very delicate um, set of negotiations that, that uh, Republican leaders have been having mostly behind closed doors um, over the last several months to try to figure that out. So it's a question of what's the best thing they can do, what can pass. Um, and so it, it's pretty complicated. But we all we clear it all up in the current issue of the Weekly Standard.
0: Now, I would imagine that the fact of the uh, repeated failure to repeal and replace Obamacare has created an, an imperative for Republicans to actually get something done On tax reform,
2: I would think that if if I were a Republican and I were returning home to my district and hearing an earful from my constituents about a lot of things, I would, and that I had uh, an election coming up in about a year, I would think I would need something to run on, something that said, "Here's what we're doing in Congress." Um, They don't really. They they have a little bit you know they can talk about well we passed we helped the president Trump uh, get rid of some of these regulations through the Congressional Review Act they don't really have anything big that they can talk about I think my hunch and I think the hunch of a lot of people is they need they need something big to say hey we did this we delivered we we did what we said we were going to do um, they don't have that yet tax cuts or tax reform whichever you want to call it I, I think can can help them do that, if, if they can get on the same sheet of music.
0: And what's the timetable we're looking at for tax reform?
2: Well, you know, originally they said they wanted to complete it by uh, by the end of this calendar year. As you know, oftentimes when Congress sets deadlines on things, they sort of get moved back, get moved no. back, get moved back. No, am I wrong on that? Maybe I'm wrong on that. You know, President Trump, uh, you know, you look at his Twitter account and he's been urging them to do it now, do it fast. Do it quickly. Um, so, you know, and I, I think the president really has know, a point but I would, there. I the, would bet on it happening tomorrow.
0: The longer it lasts, the longer it provides opportunity for the opponents of tax reform to throw up barriers of one sort or another.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the one of the criticisms of the way this Congress has operated is that for all the talk of saying, oh, we're going to restore things to normal order, we're going to take things through the normal channels, normal committees, have hearings, you know, you've seen on Obamacare and on some of these other issues where they actually, the leadership sort of comes up with it, gets it out there, and I mean, the quicker you can do it, the less chance there is to rally opposition. That said, all of the opposition, potential opposition, is pretty much engaged on this point. I mean, if you're a lobbyist uh, and you represent a business you know that this is going on and you are involved in these discussions and you are going to continue to be involved so i don't think it's a matter of people are going to be caught completely off guard oh my gosh they're they're making changes to tax policy that could affect my business or my industry or uh i don't think you're going to be caught completely off guard but yes the more time that something stays out there you know the the greater the chance to rally the uh, opposition you're right there are a lot of industries that right now enjoy, you know, carve outs or enjoy um, advantages, particular uh, advantages, you know, that that to us, when we say, well, we can streamline and make the the tax code more efficient to us, that sounds might sound great. But if you are a company that likes taking a certain deduction that has been carved out for you, streamlining and making the tax code more efficient might not sound so hot. Even if you're getting a reduction in your tax rate, so you know there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of businesses uh, engaged on this, and you know opposed not just to the uh, entire package um, necessarily. I think there'll be parts that they like, but there will be parts of it um, where they're going to want to hang on to their advantages.
0: Just remember, though, that the the those incentives and advantages that come from Washington are always just a way. For politicians in Washington and regulators to tell you what to do, you know, you get a you get right. a tax break, but only if you behave in the way Washington wants you to behave. So, in that regard, closing down loopholes has the benefit of reducing the power that Washington has and mm-hmm. uh, freeing one up to uh, enjoy whatever the tax rate is without having to behave in certain ways in order to get the tax rate
2: you want. Absolutely. You know, the one of the things that you often hear from Republicans, from conservatives, you, is that you don't want the government picking winners and losers. And, you know, we had, last had major tax reform in 1986 under the Reagan administration. And what they did, they made that, it was revenue neutral. They came in and they they moved some of the tax rates around and they simplified it and they got rid of a lot of the, the deductions. And then over the years, of course, sort of a lot of that creeps Back in right, A little bit here, a little bit there. One one year you do this, one year you do that, and uh, and all of a sudden you have a tax code that is enormously complex with all sorts of of um, you know deductions and, and, and set asides and and individual you know pockets of of um, incentives that sort of thing. And so um, you know the the challenge is can you peel some of those back and reduce the power of Washington to pick winners and losers. um, I mean, do they have that sort of fortitude?
0: Tony Messia, senior writer for The Weekly Standard. All right, Tony, thanks a bunch. All right, thanks. That's it for the Confab this week. Be sure to tune in to all our podcasts throughout the week. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.